0: Okay, well, how are we all doing? Keeping warm? Man, was it cold this morning. It's good to see so many people here at 5 o'clock ready to engage. Amen? You just want to come and grab a seat quickly, and we're going to get straight into it. And uh, who was here this morning? That's awesome. Well, this morning I, I talked about intimacy with the Father. And I talked about how the Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who, what? diligently seek Him. He is a rewarder of those people who diligently seek Him. And we had a look at what diligently means and what to seek Him means. And um, tonight I'm going to be looking uh, at, at something called biblical conviction, which is a byproduct that comes out of our intimacy. And so I was going to just talk a little bit more on on this whole thing of intimacy, but just on the way home and just as I've just been praying into this, um, because I'm really just trying to hear God right up until the last point of, God. what is it? What is this, this key word? What is this nugget that you want to say? And so I want to talk about conviction versus belief. And is there a difference between a belief and a conviction? And I believe there is, and so we're going to unpack that, but really a conviction is a byproduct, it's an outworking of intimacy. The more intimate we are with the Father, the more He reveals His heart to us, the more we have a conviction and a concern for the things that motivate Him, for the things that drive Him, that drive His behavior. Is that cool? But before we get into that, what I'm going to do, and I did this this morning, I actually want to invite you to pray for yourself. I I ask the guys this morning to pray for themselves, to prepare your own heart, to prepare your own mind, to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you tonight. I believe every time that we come into his presence, which is 24-7 because he's everywhere, he has something to share with us. He has a nugget of truth that he wants to talk to you about because he's building his church. We are the church. We are the bride. He's coming back for a glorious, radiant bride. A glorious church that shines light, that is salt. The Bible says, what good if you lose your salt are you to a world that needs to see a salty church, amen? And so let's just take 30 seconds a minute. If you pray in tongues, pray in tongues. But pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal something to you tonight. Is that cool? All right, go. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we come to this place tonight to engage with you. Father, I pray by the end of tonight we would know you more. God, you're a real God, a tangible God, a God that wants to reveal yourself to his people. And so we come with hungry hearts tonight, Father, into this place to engage with you through your word, your living word, your written word, through our worship to you, our lifting up of our hearts and our voices, our prayers, Lord, our supplications towards you. I thank you that you're building a church, a strong church on the earth today. I thank you that you're taking young boys and girls and laying your spirit upon them. Lord, speaking through them. I see it in my own little girls, Lord, already. I thank you that you're taking teenagers, Lord, and, and, uh, and building into them, showing them great and mighty things that they do not yet know. You see hungry hearts. You take people that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s into their hundreds, Lord. People that have been walking with you for years and still revealing more and more and bringing convictions of your truth, Lord. I thank you that you're building strong people here on planet Earth to give glory to you, Lord, in 2012. And Lord, as we continue to seek your face, continue to seek your truth, continue to be uh, lovers of truth, to pursue you, Lord, I pray you define us more and more and that we would come into the fullness of the freedom that you died for us to have, the life that you died for us to have, life and life abundance. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, conviction versus belief. And I believe, as I said there before, as we go after God, as we come into his presence, he will reveal to us what is dear to his own heart and bring a conviction of truth. But belief is a good thing. Belief is a start. But it is only a start because belief doesn't necessarily move you to do anything. If you think about that, belief is great, it's a start, but it doesn't necessarily move you. People believe a lot of things. If I was to ask you, do you believe that the church, one of the church's roles is to reach lost people? How many people would agree with that? We believe that, but are we moved to act? Have we had a conversation with someone that doesn't know God in the last week, in the last month, in the last six months, in the last 12 months? Because we can believe those things but never actually act upon our beliefs. How many people believe that as the church we're called to love God and love others and serve others and put others first? It's what the Bible preaches. We believe that, but are we living in it? One of the things that I got from Paul's message last week, he said, you know, we've got to be so careful what we say, we actually do. Otherwise otherwise we're like a man that looks in the mirror and forgets what he looks like. The world calls that we're full of something. We know Christ is returning. The Bible tells us that Christ is returning. We have a belief that he's going to return. But does that belief move us? Does it shift us? Does it empower us? Does it enable us to actually do something about that? The fact that he's going to return and my older brother who still has not yet come to Christ will find himself at that point in a place called hell. If he dies tonight or when Christ comes back. Does that move me to want to share this message with him? I can believe it to be true, but do I carry a conviction? Because a conviction carries power on it. A conviction not only empowers me, but it enables me to act. It moves me to act. And we're going to look at four men tonight and just rip apart just four things about these four men that carried a conviction and what it did to them. Is that cool? So Lord, I pray that we would receive a conviction tonight. I pray, Lord, as we, we come close to you, as we seek you in intimacy, you would reveal your heart to us that we would carry that heart. Lord, give us your heart. Give us eyes to see as you see and ears to hear as you hear and give us a heart of compassion and love. Listen to what James 2, 18-19 says. You says, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. And so let's go to Mark 2. Mark 2, verses 1-12. to Mark 2, 1-12. to And we'll probably know this story well about four men that grabbed hold of their buddy. Well, he might not even be, actually. I shouldn't even say that because the Bible doesn't actually say he was a friend. They just grabbed hold of this paralytic guy and they brought him into Christ's presence. So Mark 2, verses 1 to 12. Once again, I'm totally convicted that conviction comes out of intimacy with the Father just before we start there, how do you know whether you're carrying a conviction or something? Anyone know? How do you know when you're carrying a conviction? Your heart aches. Good. What else? You feel it. It doesn't leave you. It's something that continues to come back. You can sometimes push it away, but it comes back. It's good. Anything else? Restlessness. There's a prompting of the Spirit within you. You're mobilized to do something. You care. It's good. It's really good. It's like, for me, it's a knowing sense. It's a knowing that you know that you know. It's like you just, you know, the part of this whole um, making this change of, of just redefining, realigning, starting with preaching the Word, I can tell you I had a conviction of that. It just dropped into my spirit. It was like, wow. I didn't even think, it didn't even come to my mind. It just came straight here, and I was convicted it was of him. And it's a sense of knowing that you know that you know as a, as a conviction. And so I, what we're going to look at is these men that had this. So let's read real quick. When he had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, was heard that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed uh, the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sons are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Worst thing you can do. It's to reason. See where they're reasoning? Not in their minds, in their hearts. It's fascinating that. What we don't understand, we reason away instead of seeking after it. Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk. But so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. And he got up immediately, picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, we have never seen anything like this just my first thought really this morning is a biblical conviction creates compassion in your heart for others a biblical conviction creates compassion in your heart for others in verse three it says and they came bringing uh, to him a paralytic they noticed him first off i think so often we walk past people and do we notice them They may not be as obvious as someone who is a paralytic. But we pass people every single minute of the day. We work with people. We live next to people. Do we notice them? Do we notice their situations? Do we know what they go through? Do we even know who they are? Why? Because we carry a compassion in our heart because God loves people. He loves us. He loves us as a community. And he loves those people yet that be part of His community. And these men noticed this man that was a paralytic. It actually doesn't say that they were friends. So often I've thought, oh yeah, they were his mates and they brought their mate to get healed, but it doesn't say that. He could have been an absolute stranger, but they had compassion because they had a conviction of something on the inside of him. And they brought him to this house, but when they get to the house, they have this problem. They can't get him into the house. The house is full. What are we going to do? And what did they do? They rip up the roof. I mean, it doesn't actually say that they had any tools. We're going to get to this a bit later, but I wonder how they actually ripped up the roof. How did they rip off the tiles? What, just with their hands? Why? Because they had a compassion. Just come with me. I want to show you something else in Matthew 9. And this has always fascinated me, but it's another story. It's actually just after the story we're reading where Jesus is hanging out in Matthew's house and he's they're having a bit of a party at Matthew's place. Matthew nine verses ten. Anyone like parties here? One person. Man, we're a fun bunch of people, aren't we, eh? Maybe a bit more life on this <laughs> All right, Matthew 9, verses 10. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice is you can come in, you can do all these things, you can look good, you can serve and do all that stuff, but I didn't desire any of that, I desired compassion. When you get a biblical conviction of the love of God, it creates a love in your own heart for other people. Now what's fascinating about this is when that happens, you'll find yourselves in environments that religious people don't like. You may actually find yourself down at the nightclub. You may find yourself down at the parties. You may find yourself within pubs. You may find yourself where lost people are and religious people hate it. You'll actually be persecuted for the compassion you have in your heart because you know what? It actually drives you to place yourselves in positions. Now you've got to use wisdom, but places yourself in positions where those people are. Why? Because you love. Because there is a compassion, there is something in you, there is a conviction, that you, the knowing that you know that you know. The Holy Spirit prompts it. I have to go. Paul said, I'm compelled to go. Why would someone be compelled to go to prison, to be tortured? Does that make any sort of sense to you? It doesn't to me. That I would be compelled to go to prison, knowing, it says the Holy Spirit, but it says he was bound in the Spirit. He was bound. He had a conviction of something of God that motivated and mobilized and empowered him to place himself in danger. And sometimes God will ask us to place ourselves in danger. maybe danger to us physically, but you know what? Right in the will of God is the safest place you and I can be. Even though it may look like dangerous physically, it's the safest place if God has led us there. And I'm fascinated by the amount of people, these people that were more worried about. Why does this man eat with these disgusting people? And Jesus says, you know what? You guys are missing it. Go away and find out what this is really all about. Because a conviction stirs you to move. The second thought tonight is this. A biblical conviction moves you, enables you, and empowers you to act And knows no limit. It moves you, it enables you, but it actually empowers you. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us. See, I can believe that I'm called to reach lost people but I get a conviction of God's heart through seeking him, through intimacy, and there is something placed in me which actually empowers me to place myself there. One person's still standing there going, yeah, I believe I'm supposed to. The other person's actually there operating in it. It empowers me to move. These men are faced with this challenge. The house is full, but they've got this guy. Did they give up? No. I wonder whether I would have given up. The Bible talks about us persevering. And so they look at their options. They go, we can't get in. Well, we've got another option. We've got the roof. How did they get up there? They climb on each other's back, maybe. They look around to find something. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but you know what? This conviction this biblical conviction not just a belief, but a conviction to move and do something stirred their hearts to get on top of a roof now it doesn't say bob the builder was with them it didn't say they nipped out to mitre 10 to get some tools they just started to rip up the tiles because they knew if i can get this guy who's a paralytic in front of this man something's going to happen if I can take this gospel message in my heart, if I can learn it and actually, you know, turn up at Ignite and get some, be equipped and actually come here and come to the different environments and be equipped and go, then maybe something's going to happen in my workplace. Maybe something's going to happen in my neighborhood. Maybe something's going to happen as I, in, in Pack and Save or in the garage when I turn up because God's building an authentic church. And His power and life and what He's doing in us. We are to become this wellspring of life that actually the river flows out of us and onto others. That's the church that He's building. That the kingdom of God that's within comes forth from within and out. You become water that refreshes dry land. Do you want to be that type of person? I do. If we do, let's seek Him. Let's place ourselves... Let's get into his living word. Let's ask questions of his living word and get a notebook and start writing it down. Let's get in life groups. Let's get around other people that you can see have something on them and say, can I walk with you? Can I be in your life? Can I engage with you? You know what? No matter when that is, if that means getting up at five o'clock in the morning because that's when that person gets up, it's probably the reason why they got life on them. Yeah? Whatever the cost... So this activation, this revelation, this conviction comes. And all of a sudden you find this stirring in your own heart starts to come. And I'm going to place myself in these situations where I can be a light and can be life. But it will come at a cost. The church will persecute you at times. The religious church. The world will. But you've got a conviction. Conviction doesn't matter. The power's there. It doesn't matter. These men were moved. These men were stirred to see something happen in their buddies or this person's heart. Listen to Acts 20 verses 22. And now behold, this is Paul, bound in the Spirit. Bound by the Spirit. I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Let's just share a story that I've Shared I think here once before um, and it's quite a funny story, but it's part of my story is just being compelled by something anybody here um, preached in a Mormon church anybody been to a Mormon church? Cool three or four people five it's awesome i um I've had the privilege of of speaking in a Mormon church, and the reason I found myself here was, um, it's a bit of a funny story really, but I'd been saved about six or eight months and I knew nothing really. I didn't. I, you know, all the isms were the same. I thought, you know, everyone followed Jesus and um, I remember working at NZ Safety and at the time I, I, I'd never, you know, well, I'd only been saved six months, didn't know Danielle, hadn't been, um, I'd just been coming here. But I met this family and they were Mormons and there was a, a girl there, she was about 22, 23 and I, we sort of, you know, there was a, a, a liking of one another. and um, But I had no concept of, of I just, oh, are you guys into Jesus? I'm into Jesus. That's all cool. And uh, because I was quite naive, I, you know, as I said, I, I didn't know. And anyway, they invited me to come uh, with them. Her sister had had a little child, and they were getting what they call christening uh, at the service one day. And they said, oh, would you like to come along? And I said, well, look, I'll, I'll come with you if you come to the Rock one time. And she said, okay. And so I'm, I'm there. I said, well, I'll go along, you know, and we're in this thing. And it was Father's Day. And I turn up and everyone and I thought they're, gonna, they, they're asking people to come forward and just share about Father. And I thought, oh, okay, well, someone's going to talk about the Father, the Father, you know. And anyway, all these people are coming up and, and talking about their natural fathers. And it was good, but I must admit it was a little bit sort of boring. It was like, and some people are looking around were sort of falling asleep. And then it's like, all of a sudden I started to have this stirring in my spirit. I don't know if you've ever seen it, it was like, man, like the, the seat started to get hot. And I'm like just feeling the Holy Spirit say, so I want you to get up and speak about me. I'm like, what? I want you to get up and speak about me. These people need to hear about me. I can feel this conviction coming on. I literally felt like I had ants in my pants. I was like, gee, like this, it was like, Everyone so, know, looks at me, it's going to be a bit weird. And I said to this girl, I said, her name was Nadine, I said, look, I think I've got to get up and speak. And she said, don't you dare. Don't you dare get up. There was about 250 brothers, you know, all these people in there. So, don't you dare get up and say anything. I said, look, I'm, so I started praying, and I said, God, is, is this you? I don't want this to be just me. Is this you? Is this your leading? I can feel this conviction coming. was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Have you ever seen when you feel, you just got to, you know, get up? And I'm praying and this, and I, she says, don't you dare, you'll embarrass my family, you'll do this, you'll do that. I said, God, just show me something, give me something that this is you. Anyway, her grandmother gets up and says, well, you'll never guess what. Everyone's like, she says, I went to one of those happy, clappy churches today. Yeah, you know, they sing, and they have a band and all that, and it was just like Holy Spirit, there you go, son, that's you. up. When she finishes, get up. And this thing is now so strong, so they said, anyone else want to share today? And I'm like, I do. And they were like, who's this guy? And so I get up, and I just introduce myself, look, I just want to share about this person called Jesus Christ that I've met. And the guys at the back all woke up, and I was like, "Oh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I just started to share about the Father's love. And for about 15 minutes just release. I don't know what I said, but I was about the father that I'd come to know and the father that comes to bring life. But I had such a strong conviction in my spirit that moved me to act. And I finished and I said, well, I'm either coming be, I'll be either meeting you really soon, God, because there's a few big brothers here that might be getting taken out the back. But you know what happened? People come up to me and just said, that was powerful. What you shared was incredible. That was really powerful. Why? Because there was a stirring of the Spirit. And when God stirs your heart, it moves you to act. You find yourselves in situations and doing things, but you know what? God's right there with you. He actually says, I'm never going to leave you. He says, I'm with you to the ends of the earth. You may not be able to see Him at times, so we have to move by faith, but He's out there. And He calls the church out. Out of these walls. He calls the church to have an impact in the world. He wants to move in you and through you. And the more intimate we are, guys, with the Father, the more He reveals His heart to us, the more your life will start to shift and mold and change. The third thing is a biblical conviction of faith gets God's attention. When we start carrying a conviction, a biblical conviction of faith, it gets God's attention. Just come to verse 5. And it says this, And Jesus seeing their faith. See, God is moved by faith, not so much human need. So often we think he's moved by need, but he's more moved by faith because faith is the currency of heaven than he is need. If God was fully moved by need, there wouldn't be any starving children in the world. There wouldn't be the things that go on, but he's more moved by faith, active faith, a pursuit of him. And I love the fact, how do you see someone's faith? Have you ever thought of that? That's pretty trippy, isn't it? He saw their faith. Which means he must have seen what was in their heart through the eyes of the Spirit. When God looks in our hearts, what does he see? Does he see faith? Because he sees these men's faith and he's moved to act on this other man's behalf because of these men's faith. That fascinates me. So biblical conviction of faith gets God's attention. What does the Bible say faith is? Can anyone tell me? You need to yell it out because I can hear a little murmuring. But To see things that cannot be seen. It says faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And it's the conviction of things unseen. How do you you have a conviction of something that you can't see? How do you have a conviction of something that you can't see physically? You receive it somewhere. How do you have an assurance of things hopeful? It's like I'm assured this is going to happen. And a conviction, I can see this thing. And I shared this this morning because you see it through the eyes of the heart. Paul prayed that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. True, accurate, biblical faith, the the fullness of it, I personally believe, is, yeah, you can't see it in the natural, but you see it in the spiritual. And it moves you towards something. Paul saw things in the spirit and it aligned him. It moved him to make changes in his life. It defined him. And so a conviction, true biblical faith, is something actually I can see in the Spirit, and I'm moving towards it. And it comes at a cost. And Jesus saw that kind of faith in these men, and it moved him to act. Because they were carrying a conviction. Not just the belief. We believe Jesus can heal this man. No, no, we're convicted that he can, and now this conviction is moving us to get on top of a roof, to rip up some tiles, to lower our, this guy down, and place him at the feet of the Christ. But a whole lot of other people in the same environment were reasoning away things. Why? Why do we reason away things? Anyone know? Fear. Fear of the unknown. Any other thoughts? It's great. Doubt. Fear, doubt, pride, confusion. Good. Other thoughts? Unbelief. Yet God is working. Yet these people disassociated themselves with what was happening and they reasoned it away in their hearts. My last thought tonight is just a biblical conviction that that is lived out has the ability to change people's futures. A biblical conviction that's lived out, okay, it has to be lived out, has the ability to change other people's futures. Let's read verse 11. I'll just get the music guys up. He says, I say to you, get up. This is in verse 11, 2 verse 11. I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone so they were all amazed and were glorifying God. See, when we're called to act, when we carry conviction, not just a belief, that stirs your heart, that motivates you to place yourselves in environments. It's not just about what God's doing in you and through you and maybe for the person that you're engaging with, but it's for the people that are also in that area. The amount of people when I've been sharing that are listening into conversations, you know, sometimes you think you're reaching this person, and in fact the person actually that you're really reaching is the other person on the other side of the bus because they have to be tuning into a conversation you don't know about. When we actively move and place ourselves in environments because we carry a conviction of the belief that we have, it affects more than just you and sometimes the person, but other people. I shared this this morning when I said, you know, so often we come to receive God's Word and that is awesome and that is good, but do we come to receive it that we may teach others? Do we come? Can I encourage you to bring a notebook and bring a pen? And bring your word. And actually be someone that wants to teach others. The Bible says that we've all been given a responsibility to disciple others. And God's going to hold us to account for that. At that judgment seat. What did we do? And so can I encourage you with that? To come into this place as someone that comes to receive, but then wants to pass on what we're learning. What God's bringing us into. Because not only will the person that you speak to be the product, the fruit of that, but your own life will start to change and transform as you engage. Amen? As we engage, you come alive. Last week I shared about coming here with an attitude, a heart of thanksgiving and praise to make an active choice of one's will to step into what God's doing. And now as we just enter into this time can I encourage you to step in enter into maybe as we stand with your friends just start praying for each other start praying if you come as a husband and wife just start praying for one another if you come as friends just start praying for each other ask the father to reveal more of who he is to you as we worship him ask him to peel back a layer of your own heart maybe if you as someone who, as we've heard about, maybe living in fear of some of this stuff. It's unknown to you. Ask God just to come and just to, to give you a sense It's it's okay. This is me. Don't allow fear to control your future. If you don't know this person who is Jesus Christ tonight, can I maybe encourage you to, to ask Him to come? He's everywhere. Just say, God, if you're real, Come, come and show me yourself. He's not lost. So often we say we think God's lost. God is not lost. It's us that are lost. Father, I just want to thank you for these incredible people here tonight. Your sons, your daughters. God, I pray that you would reveal to us a greater sense of who you are. I pray that we would carry your conviction in our hearts, Lord. The things that you love, which is people. You love your church. You love your bride. You love a world that so desperately needs your love. God, stir our hearts. Stir them up, Lord. Let the church arise and shine and go forth. I thank you that you're gracious towards us, Father. Let me just read you this passage that Mike Hewitt's just brought a little earlier on. Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you. That the Lord God, the creator of this universe, the one who created the galaxies, the one who spoke everything into being, the one in the breath of a life when let there be light and there was light, that God that is living today, He waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Now listen to this. How blessed are all those who long for Him. You see, any relationship's two-way. God's love is so consuming and overwhelming. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever encountered in my life. His grace is just so sufficient. And He longs to pour out more. But it says how blessed are all those who long for Him. The engagement of this intimacy. That we would love Him with everything we have so let's stand and let's pray let's speak in tongues if you speak in tongues let's pray with one another and worship this king of kings and this lord of lords and give him an offering tonight it's your best give him your best worship's about coming and giving God our best and if we receive something then it's an awesome byproduct but let's stand let's enter in Let's pray for each other. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you are returning for a glorious church. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.